Hey guys, welcome to What's the Word. Today we're talking about drive-through mentality. Drive-through mentality. And uh, what are we talking about exactly? But man, is this a mentality that is some stinking thinking in the earth right now. Hey, tell me who's watching. Put some comments in. Let me know who's watching from where. A wave at me. And uh, like, share, subscribe. Hit the notification button. Get notified when we go live. All of that actually helps us get the word out. But whether you believe Believe that or not, it's amazing how the algorithms actually help. So do that, and let's jump right in. We're looking today at drive-through mentality. So drive-through mentality is today's attitude of, I want it now, and I don't want to have to wait for it, or I don't want to have to work for it, and you need to give it to me. <laughs> this is a drive-through mentality that we have in our society now. We don't want to wait for anything. And, uh, you know, over the last couple of days we talked about uh, lottery mentality and arrival mentality. Was anybody blessed by that? Did you learn some things? Did you see some things? Uh, did you see some things that you might not have seen before? Yeah, a buddy says his drive-through mentality, the Veruca Salt mentality. Exactly. I want it now. You like that? Yeah, I appreciate you knowing that reference, too, and knowing that I'm singing the song right. All right, so listen, there's so many people that are looking. I want what I want, and I want it now. I don't want to wait for it, but just let me, you know, be still and know that I am God. Um, there's some things that are worth waiting on. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Or, you know, and that word is not just like waiting in time. It's, it's waiting like you're ministering, like a waiter waits on a table. Amen. Victoria says, so blessed. By Praise God. That's so awesome. I see uh, Joni. Oh, wow. There's a bunch of them passed me by here. Uh, Priscilla, Mark, Dunphy. Hey, Brother Mark, good to see you. I love you too. Uh, my wife is watching. Joni, Caleb. Uh, Buddy, uh, Ashley Melton, good to see you, from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And, and she has the monocle emoji. That's awesome. Uh, Kevin says, this week has been extremely revealing. And uh, her, he said, it might be exposing. I do want to, well, before we jump into this drive-through mentality today, I do want to invite you uh, tomorrow night, uh, you're actually able to go, I'm going to send this out right now, Tomorrow night at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I know that's uh, beyond some of y'all's bedtime. But I'm, I've been invited to be a guest on a radio broadcast. I'm going to be uh, talking there. I just put the link in there. When you go to the link, you'll actually see that there's also a phone number where you can call in or you can watch it and listen to it on the website. And uh, looking forward to that with Apostle Kizzy. And uh, looking forward to it. It's going to be awesome. And we had a conversation the other day. You could just tell the Holy Spirit showed up even in our phone conversation. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, cryptocurrency, uh, but we're also going to talk quite a lot about uh, just what to do in these times and what's the Lord up to and uh, how that relates to where we are once the lockdown occurred and things like that. So let's get back to drive-through mentality. Uh, drive-through mentality is today's attitude of, I want it now. I don't want to have to wait for it. I don't want to have to work for it. And you need to give it to me. All right, think about when you go through a drive-through. You need it now. I want my food now. You know, and think about this. What's the attitude that we have? And when I pull up to the menu... 
you better have everything that's on the menu. <laughs> I know none of y'all have ever had that attitude, but I had to deal with it one time. Okay? It's a, and here's another drive-through mentality that we have. You better be clear, and you better not make me repeat myself. <laughs> and you see, all of this is focusing on me <laughs> and us, not the other person, just us. Uh, and uh, here's another attitude when we're in the drive-thru. And you better have some manners. <laughs> you better have some manners. And you better get my, my order exact. You better take it exactly as I say. You better not mess my, up my order, I'm telling you. And when I get to the window, you better be friendly. <laughs> and you better not make me wait. So I know y'all have never dealt with this. And I know that you, you know, here's the issue. We laugh at ourselves because we know that this is true and we've actually had this. But what we actually do many times is we see drive through mentality on other people and we're like, how dare they be so rude? You know, I can't believe that they were so rude to that person and yet we'll be the same way. You know, uh, we'll throw underhanded comments like, you know, we're sitting at the table and the waiter brings us the steak and, and uh, they'll, you know, we ask for medium and it comes out as medium well. And we're like, well, how's your steak? Oh, well, yeah, it's great. You know, I ordered this, but this will be okay. What are we doing? What are we doing? You know, like, like the waiter had control of the oven, first of all. You know, no, we have a drive through mentality. And it's like we got to feel like we need to correct them all the time. Like the medium well is going to kill us or something. You know, that's the way. And that's just it. That's one of the problems with this mentality is when we think like this, small things throw us off our holiness. Small things throw us off our anointing. Because, see, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And many times we're speaking these things and we don't realize that we're actually destroying the anointing that can fix it. Okay? So, uh, look at this. We laugh because we know these things are true because each of us have probably fallen for these the ways of thinking in the drive through I'll go back to the verses we've been reading before. Uh, Mark chapter 4 and verse 18 and 19. Let's go there right now. Mark 4, 18 and 19. And others, other people... Uh, one group of people is what it's saying, are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. Right? If you have it in your Bible and you haven't done it already, underline or highlight thorns. Okay? In other words, there's some things that are going to stick it to our life if we don't control them, if we don't handle them. There's some things that are going to make harvest hard. Do we want harvest time to be hard or easy? But these things will make it hard. All right, now watch. It'll make our work a toil. These are the ones who have heard the word. The, the word is the seed. And then here's the three thing. The worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in, choke the word, and the word becomes unfruitful. In other words, the seed becomes unfruitful because of how we tended to the seed. So our life becomes unfruitful because of worry of the world, right? Worry of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things. Worry, deceitfulness, and desires. 
right? Worry, deceitfulness of, of worldly things, and the desires for worldly things. And so we start to see worries of the world, deceitfulness of the things of the world, and desires for things of the world. They will be like thorns in our life and will be unfruitful. These are the stinking thinking thoughts like arrival mentality, like lottery mentality. If you didn't see those at the beginning, definitely go check those out and uh, check them out. Go look at lottery mentality. Go look at arrival mentality. Don't miss out. Don't have a stinking thinking thorn that robs fruit from you for the rest of your life. Get it set now and you'll have a harvest for the rest of your life. Amen. And so these things will steal the harvest. They'll make the harvest hard. And drive-through mentality is one of them. But what is, <laughs> Kevin says, Hold on, if the steak isn't done correctly, should we lie and say, oh, it's fine? No, I'm not saying that, Kevin, at all. I'm not telling you to lie to them. I'm telling you, are you at peace in your heart? See, a lot of people, they feign that they're at peace in their heart, but then they got to throw the comment because they're really not. You know, if you tell them, say, hey, does your steak look right? Say, actually, actually, it's not, but I will be okay with it. That's a different statement than, oh, yeah, it's okay, but, you know, I actually ordered this. People are sitting there and they actually have trouble in their heart and they're not at peace in their heart. They have a drive-through mentality like everything's got to be perfect for me. I'm talking about more the attitude towards when it's not quite your way. You know, Burger King said, have it your way. That's, a, that's what I'm talking about is we actually got to the point where we think everything is going to go our way. And it's not. Even Jesus said in this world, when you do the right things, in Mark 10, 10, he says, you'll have these blessings now and in the time to come. It'll be multiplied a hundredfold now and in the time to come. But then it says, with persecutions. In other words, you will be persecuted. Things will not go the way that your flesh wants. But if we carry a drive-through mentality into it, we actually sabotage our own harvest. But God's plan for us is, look, the thief comes only in, in order to steal, kill, and destroy. In other words, he's going to use the things of the world to steal from you, to kill from you, and to destroy the promises of God in your life and you. But Jesus said, I came that you might have and enjoy life, have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. But in order to get there, we've got to deal with these, this stinking thinking. We've got to deal with these mentalities that have been sacking and sabotaging our life. In the Stinking Th Thinking series, I'm teaching you parts of how to live in abundance. I'm not teaching you how to live according to what your flesh wants. You must understand that the flesh is at war against the true life of God in abundance. I'm not, what I'm teaching us how to do, including myself, is not... Uh, to compromise, but to deal with the flesh and the thinking of the flesh and the ways of the flesh because the flesh is always at war with the spirit, which means it's always at war with the abundant life that God has for us. Let's turn to Genesis 4 and let's start in verse 1. I want you to see something we want to look at. We want to look at this. Genesis chapter 4. And we're going to start in verse 1. Some people, you know, going back to uh, Kevin's uh, question, some people actually think 
that uh, they need to, some people actually think that they need to correct everybody. Some people think that they need to be honest. Uh, you know, you do need to be honest and not lie, but that doesn't mean that you actually speak those things. How many things, and, and how, where do I get this from? Well, let me just ask you, how many things have you had wrong in your life? And how many of them did God show up and speak to you honestly about what was actually going on and what you needed to correct? Not close to even a, a percentage of them. Like it's, there's so many things. If God came and he put himself beside you, how would our life stack up from beginning to end? You know, mostly right or mostly wrong? Mostly wrong. How many of those things is God willing to correct? A lot of them. But how many does he actually correct? Not very many. Why? Because very few people actually want to know what he would say. So he doesn't force himself on. I've watched Christians many times in this drive-through mentality. They feel like their job is to correct everybody around them, to police everybody around them. And they don't realize that they're actually spoiling their whole witness and they'll never have influence with that person again. Right? God doesn't force feed correction. God doesn't force feed honesty. No, he writes a book, he lays it out there, and if you want to get a hold of it, you can find it. It's there. If you want to hear from him, he'll talk to you, but he doesn't force feed it. Many people think it's their job to force feed people, and, as, and even what we're talking about today is they feel like it's their job to force feed how they should be treated right. And this thing, man, it it sabotages so much stuff in our lives. It sabotages so much stuff. And the truth be told, you know, when you go to a restaurant, unfortunately, we've got people that don't think bad of this, really. You've got a bunch of people that'll do the wrong stuff to your food back there because you're being a jerk, you know, or at least they think you're being a jerk. And so it's like, I watch, I've watched people sit at a restaurant, say the blessing over their food, and then chew the waiter out because they, their thing wasn't cooked exactly right, and they deserve to be treated better than this. And I know, I know, that food went straight back there. If it gets fixed, it's probably, you know, uh, faked. And a lot of times, sometimes you've got people that actually have integrity, they'll bring it back. But I know a bunch of times, food's been sent back like that, and all of a sudden their food's getting jacked up in the back, you know, spit on different things. We don't want to know how many times that's happened, because I promise you it's happened. And, uh, and people think, oh, I'm going to get my way. Oh, you're going to get something all right, but it ain't going to be what you think it is. You know? and, that's, and every now and then that comes out, and it's gross, and it's horrible. But people don't understand that if you would have just been nice in that situation, it would have been fine. And here's the other side of it. Do we actually trust that God is always leading us to triumph, whether it goes our way or not? This is a big, big deal. And this is what drive-through mentality gets us uh, off base on is it takes us off of when we're so concerned about having it our way and it being pleasing. I can tell I'm, I am in people's business already today, right? When we feel like we've got to have it our way, because I know there's, there's Christians that would argue with me over this and say, no, they need to do it right. I'm not compromising this. That's a, the exact attitude I'm talking about. That's the exact, because that thinking will take you to a place where you will have zero witness. The word says to abstain from the appearance of evil. Be gentle and look for ways to get the word to them, not look for ways to get your way. 
If Jesus was looking after his way, there's a whole lot of ministry he would have never done. But we actually are benef uh, beneficiaries of it. So, <laughs> Joni said, definitely toe-stepping today. Amen. But see, this is, that's why I'm talking about all these problems is we don't realize how these are actually sabotaging our whole life. And people have been doing them for years. And I literally, I've had Christians argue with me over these types of points. And it is important, Marky. And uh, I've had many people that have argued over this claiming, you know, to be Christians. And they think that they're right. They think, and we're going to get into this a little bit more. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about entitlement mentality, which these go hand in hand. Um, and people get to the place where they, they feel like, well, I deserve better treatment. Oh, that's a dangerous statement. Spiritually, that is a dangerous statement. But one of the great things or the great problems with drive-through mentality is when we have drive-through mentality, we let the small things take us off of our faith. We let, put that in the comments, one of the major problems of drive-through mentality is small things irritate us out of faith. Small things irritate us out of faith. And when they get out of faith, then where's the harvest? It goes back to the verse that I'm talking about. There's no fruitfulness. There's no harvest because the deceitfulness of the things of the world, right? Or the worries of the world or the desire for things to be our, our way. And all of a sudden, it irritates us to the place where it's like that thorn and it'll cause us not to have the harvest that we are. See, think about this. If, if Let's say that I have two fields and one field has a harvest in it and another one doesn't have a harvest in it. I mean, both of them have a harvest in it, but one of them is surrounded by thorns. Both of them have the same amount of harvest but which one am I going to utilize and which one am I going to pull a bigger har harvest out of and which one am I going to pull a smaller ha harvest out of? See, eventually, if I have that field, I'll get all the harvest out of the one without thorns. But the one that has thorns, every time I reach my hand back in there to get something, I'm going to think twice about it. And eventually, I'll probably stop short because I didn't want to stick my hand back in the thorns again. I have a perfect, perfect example of this. Um, one of the things that this happened to me in my life, uh, I had a company and one of the mistakes that I made in my company was I didn't hire people to help me do uh, my job. I tried to do it all and get all and keep all the money. Now I did it. You can say, well, that was being greedy. Well, it was, it was because I was having trouble paying my bills to begin with. I didn't need to give out any other money. There was both. I wanted to make more and two. It was kind of out of necessity is what I thought at the time. But the error was I didn't hire anybody. So you've heard me say this multiple times that if you're not going forward, you are going backwards, right? If you don't add to and multiply ahead, you will stagnate and go backwards. That's exactly what happened. And here's why. Why did I stagnate? The reason I stagnated is I knew that every new account that I brought in directly equated to my workload. And because I, did, I was already busting at the seams, working my tail off, right, I didn't want any extra work. And so I was very unmotivated 
to add to, and it began to stale and stagnate, and it was my own fault and my own doing. Now, I corrected it, but I definitely went through a period of time where it was like that. Why? Because there were thorns attached to the harvest. See, that's the thing about all of these mentalities. If we don't deal with them, if we don't humble ourselves and let the Lord shine the light on them, then all of a sudden we're going to get to the place where we don't want to stick our hand back into the field because of the thorns that are around them, which means ultimately it's like, uh, what is it, Pavlov's dog, where he kept teaching them that negative uh, motivation. Eventually he stopped doing that thing. And so that's the same thing with these thorns. These th- this thinking will cause us to lose our harvest. And in a situation like this, I've actually been kind. I've, I've had people completely miss my order, like not just miss medium or medium rare, medium well or whatever. No, no. I'm talking about completely mess it up horribly, not even get bring the right food out, things like that. Miss sending home all that stuff. And you just love on them. Just show them the love of God. God will supply for you. And what happens if you miss your, you know, what happens if you happen to, you know, not eat a few curly fries? <laughs> I mean, what's the worst that can happen? You know, you, you, you lose a few pounds, you know, or, or you miss out on tasting, you know, something feeding your flesh. Well, if you can't put that down, how are we going to be the Christian that God's called us to be? All right. So anyway... Let's go to Genesis 4. Is, in a, is this helping anybody? Because, see, I think this is stuff that we know. I think it's stuff that we know in a general sense. But most of the time we think it's other people doing it. But it's not. It's generally us. But we just don't want to look at ourselves enough, and we don't realize. And this is what's important. We're not as concerned about the witness of the kingdom as we are fixing ourselves, right, and getting what we want. See, we're more concerned that they don't miss our fries than my witness. I don't hear nobody. (laughs) You know, we're more concerned that they get my steak cooked right than my witness for an eternal kingdom of God. See, we've forgotten that we're employed, right? We've forgotten that our employment is an ambassador of Christ. We've forgotten that. Amen, Joni. She said, it's helping me. See, this is, this is and we're taught, no, you, if you don't stand up for yourself, nobody else will. That's, that's ungodly. No, Jesus stood up for me when I did not stand up for myself. When I actually was drowning myself, Jesus stood up for me. See, that's ungodliness. That's completely, this is the stinking thing. Let me, let me tell you why again, let me tell you why again that we're in this series. The reason we're in this series was when I actually moved into ministry and started pastoring, I pastored for about four years. I pastored for about four years. And during that period of four years, I watched good people be completely destroyed and fall into traps. And the devil eat their lunch. And the majority of it were the very items I'm talking about during this series. They were the, it, it was their thinking. 
They weren't thinking on things worthy of praise. They were, they were raised and they're thinking, and they thought this worldly corrupted thinking was the Bible, and they were mistaken. And their thinking got them off. That's why when you see, I, I've said this before, um, amen. Lisa said, I'm driving, can't comment, but amen. That, that's fine. You don't have to, <laughs> you know, you don't have to, Lisa. But their thinking was sabotaging their, their abundant life. Their thinking was sabotaging their abundant life. And I watched this so many times, my heart hurt. I said, I got to do something to change this thinking. I've got to show what the truth of the word is. And uh, I had no idea. And the truth is, that was about eight years ago when I did that originally on Sunday morning. And uh, the truth is, that's one of the most talked about series ever in the history of Boomerang. People still talk about it to this day, and were longing for me to get into the series before because their life changed so much, and it really woke them up to this. But see, if we're not willing to have the light shined on us, and we don't want to change our little fleshly habit, well, enjoy the thorns. Barrett said, Hebrews 12, 11, if anyone's toes have been stepped on during this broadcast, good news, we're faith people and the Lord is the healer. <laughs> Hebrews 12, 11 that she mentioned, it, it says all discipline, all of it, every bit of it, for the moment seems not to be joyful and even sorrowful, that's to the flesh. But to those who give themselves to that discipline, they will eat the peaceful fruit of righteousness. They'll have a harvest. And so that's what I'm asking you to do. Let the Lord shine the light on it. Don't just take my word for it. I mean, I'm going to take you to Scripture and all, but you know, don't just take my word for it. Take His word. Right. <laughs> Kevin says, you're hammering on a tender spot. <laughs> Sorry. Um, not really. Um, but, you know, it's not just yours, Kevin. The truth be told, most people have a problem here in this area. They just aren't aware of it. But the, here's one thing I've learned. If a preacher is ever talking about something, I really start not liking what he's talking about. That's generally something I need to work on or he's way wrong. And if he's not giving me scripture, okay, then I still need to go look at it. But if he's giving me scripture and this is the heart of God and he's matching up with the character and nature of Christ, yeah, it probably is, that's probably a stronghold in our thinking. And that's what we have to give ourselves over. Say, Lord, crack this stronghold in the head because I need a harvest of abundant life. And I need to be your witness, right? And so now, and so I watch, I watch as people. And I, and I used to, see, my dad, my dad used to correct me a lot. Like, I mean, there were literally times where I thought with my dad, can I never be right? Am I ever going to be right? And I understand that. And I have to watch that as well. And I, I'm, I'm a lot more calm today. But at the same time, I can't stop going after holiness just because you don't want to, right? And I'm not going to try and force feed you. But if you hang around, you're going to be stretched, right? That's because you want to be around people that stretch you because you want to be around people that are going forward and inheriting the promise. But here's what I noticed is that when I first started, I was trying to correct everybody. I thought that was what love does. And the Lord, the Lord really got on to me and said, one time somebody fell off the track, kind of fell off the, the bus, 
And uh, they made a bad choice. And it was ultimately their choice. But the Lord said, said this to me. He said, it's your fault. He said, ultimately, they, yeah, they made a bad choice, but they made a bad choice, and it was your fault. And you know why? Because I force-fed them something they didn't ask for. And I pushed, I pushed them over the emotional edge, and they made that choice because they didn't ask for that. They didn't really want, want that. And Kevin, Buck, I feel stretched every weekday around 12.05. The word works. Amen. <laughs> What's the word? We're not here to please your flesh. Cheers. <laughs> we are here to please God and to grow us all up, including myself, in the things of God, the ways of God. Why? Because they work and they bring an abundant harvest. They bring about the things of God. You know, it's beautiful. One of the things, Kevin's sitting here, he just put that, he just put that comment up. You know, he, he's been growing in this on Lunch Plus and what's the word? He's been growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. But you know what? He's seeing fruit in his life. I'm, I'm talking about fruit with a lot of zeros. You know, he's seeing fruit in his life and he's only just begun. He's just stepping into it. He's just stepping into it. Glory to God. Amen. But he said, we don't coddle people who are moved by the flesh. We empower people to move by the spirit. Amen. Hey, Trina, glad to have you on here. All right, so let's finally go to Genesis 4 and let's read this. Now the man, Adam, had relations with his wife, Eve. That's how I knew it was Adam. And she conceived and gave birth to Cain. And she said, <laughs> sorry, I'm in a mood. Not sorry, I'm having fun. Y'all having fun? All right, good, good. He says, and she said, <laughs> I've, gotten a, I've gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. A man-child. This is the New American Standard. <laughs> again, <laughs> again, she gave birth to his brother Abel, another man-child. And Abel was a keeper of the flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground, so it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of the, of the flock and their fat portions. In other words, he, he brought the increase. He brought... Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I just looked up and saw Buddy's comment. He says, I must say that whenever I have a boy. <laughs> I have a man child. <laughs> just like that. <laughs> I'm going to remind you of it. Anyway, so Abel brought an offering, but he brought the increase and the anointed portion of it. He brought the best, the, the fat portions. And the Lord had regard. In other words, he didn't bring them the runt of the litter. He brought them the best one. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. Now, I know when I was little, I'd read this and I'd be like, man, what? This seems rude of the Lord. I don't fully understand this. And uh, he said, the Lord said, so he said, the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but verse 5, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. Now let me just show you something. This anger 
and his countenance was a marker of his character. It was also a marker of the heart that was behind it. In other words, think about this. I'm bringing something to worship you. All right, I'm, I'm bringing it, quote unquote, because I'm here to worship you. But when the person that I'm coming to worship says that's not good, then I get mad and angry and my countenance falls against the one that I say I'm worshiping? Am I really worshiping? Am I really worshiping? Watch this. Did I really want to worship in the first point, in the first place? No. It's a marker and a symptom of his heart was wrong from the beginning. How can you get mad with the one that you're trying to worship? Either they're worth worshiping or they're not. But see, here's the issue. Cain thought he was worthy of worship. He, he wanted it his way. Oh, you didn't like what I did. Now who's the one that in his mind and in his heart, who's the one that needs to be worshipped? Can you see it? Verse 6, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why is your countenance fallen? Verse 7, if you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. Now, let me, let me just throw something in the mix here. It's not God who has sin in his life. Sin is not crouching at the door of God. Sin is crouching at the door of man with a corrupted flesh. See, when we're not willing to have the Lord examine our stuff, and then what we're saying is, I am not worthy. I, you know, I'm not worthy of having sin ever touch me, right? Well, the Lord tells us in 1 John chapter 1, he shows us that if we think that way, we're already in sin. We're already deceived. We are already deceived and heading towards big sin if you don't correct that thinking. If you don't think that you... Can, can be tempted by a corrupted flesh to sin. And if you don't think that you are still have a part of corrupted nature in this, in this flesh nature, then you've already deceived yourself. And so look, look at what he says here. He says, if you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. God's trying to show him, say, look, you have the potential for sin here, recognize it, Cain, deal with it. I want you to be happy. I want you to be full of joy. But recognize that you have, you have the, you know, you have a potential to be wrong. And, and what was Cain actually saying by being mad at God, what was Cain saying in his heart and in his actions? Lord, you have the potential to be wrong. I didn't miss it. That's why he's mad. I didn't miss it. You did. I want my way. My way is right. You missed it. It was drive-through mentality at its worst. This is where, and watch this, the little bit of drive-through mentality that we're willing to be, yeah, they, yeah I've done that before. <laughs> that thinking will lead you to this if it's not corrected. That's the issue. That's the danger of it. All right, so now look, Hebrews 11, 4. 11.4 says, By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, 
through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. In other words, he brought a sacrifice that was pleasing to God, not pleasing to Abel. Cain brought a sacrifice pleasing to Cain. Okay? It was all about Cain. It was, I want to have it my way. You know, here, here's the questions. I need it now. Really? Do you really need it now? Do you really need it now? And, and think about it. This is, this is such a, decept, this is a deceptive thinking. And, and I'm going to show you some of these little uh, intricacies of this deception. And I want you to see this. When you say, hey, I need this today. Right? I need this report on my desk today. So if you need it, what you're saying is, I've got to have it. What you're saying is, I can't live without it. Right? And you say, well, no, that's not really what I'm saying. Yeah, but that actually is what you're saying. When you break it down and you make it like that and you speak in, watch this, when you speak in absolutes, you are prophesying. One way or the other. And put that in the comments. When you speak in absolutes, you're prophesying. Now, that can be negative. It can be positive. Uh, I had a pastor uh, long ago. He said something to me because I constantly spoke with absolutes, and he recognized the error of it, and he said, absolutes are unbecoming on the lips of novices. In other words, if a novice speaks absolutes, it's just a matter of time before those absolutes uh, judge him, and those absolutes actually start to you know, unravel his foundation, uh, unravel his stability, because he's going to get trapped by him. In other words, a novice doesn't need to speak absolutes. Let God speak the absolutes. You know, as, as you grow up, there's a few absolutes, very, very few. But when you say, I need this today, I can't, you know, I need this. What you're saying, now watch this, because here's where that thinking goes, and there's other ways to say it besides that. But listen, our words are important, and out of the heart the mouth speaks. Okay, So our words are important, and we're setting ourselves up for an absolute prophecy. Watch this. I need this today. What you're saying is, if I don't have this, by saying that, you're saying, if I don't have this, things are going to fall apart. And so many people receive a life falling apart all the time because they've spoken a prophecy of, I need this, I've got to have it today. Now, here's the other thing. Or even, but do you actually need it today? Or could it? Wait, no, I want it today is a totally different statement. I really would like to have this today. Totally different statement. I need this today means there's going to be trouble if I don't have it, and it's going to cost us big time. You're, that's what you're ultimately getting to. And so when we say this, so I need it now. I, I need my sandwich now. In other words, if you don't give me my sandwich now, I'm going to throw an ever-loving fit. What do you mean? You're going to get cops called on you? I mean, what, what are you going to do? Tear the place down brick by brick? What, and, and over a sandwich? Like, is a, the lack of a sandwich on your timetable going to destroy your life so much so that you lose your whole witness, you blow your character out, you start cussing the drive through guy, you know, all this stuff? So we really need to watch what, how we're thinking towards things. And, well, it's principle. Yeah, 
godly principle that you're throwing out the door by making absolutes out of something that he didn't give you a word for. Did God say, you must have a cheeseburger by 3.35 p.m. this afternoon? If God didn't say that, you're saying the word, not God. The absolute's not there. You're putting priorities around something in that way. We are, we are putting those priorities, not just you. I've, I've fallen for this too, and I need to work on it. Okay, you need it now. Really? Do you really need it now? Well, you know, all right, here's this thought in drive through mentality. You better have everything on that menu. Okay, so you have no room for mercy whatsoever. Oh, well, we're out of, we went to a drive through not too long ago, and um, we asked, like, the first three things we asked for, they were out of. <laughs> it was like, uh, okay, all right, thank you, <laughs> you know. But, you know, sometimes we can even say okay with an attitude, like, oh, well, uh, okay, you know, and what we're really saying is, that's messed up, and I want you to know about it. How about we just have some mercy? Okay, uh, let me find something else here. Uh, give me a second so I can find something else. See, there's some mercy in that. In other words, you know, here's, here's the thing. Is it the person sitting in the drive-thru on the little headphone, do they normally, are they normally the ones who order the food at the restaurant? And then restaurants just make for a good example in this. This can be in all different areas. Is it the guy sitting on the other end of the speaker? Welcome, what are going to get for you today? Is it that guy, the one who's actually, or that lady, the one who's actually ordering the food for the restaurant? Probably not. Is it his fault that they're out of inventory? Probably not. Probably not. You know, and yet we'll just blow him out of the water like he did it personally. He was like, in this day, in this hour, this person's going to pull up in this car, and I'm just going to stick it to him. <laughs> like it was personal. There was a personal vendetta. I'm going to test their Christian character today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what are we thinking? Like it was a personal vendetta against you that they ran out of inventory. Maybe just everybody got their stimulus checks. You know, and everybody got hungry at the same time. It's funny. We went to a drive-thru the other day. The, literally, I've never seen this happen at this restaurant. It, you would have thought it was Chick-fil-A, but it wasn't. And they had cars wrapped around the building. I'm like, man, somebody got some stimulus money. <laughs> they were packed. I was like, wow. And, uh, but it, it's, maybe they just had a rush, and they ran out of stuff. And you'll be okay. There's other restaurants. If you really are upset, go to another one. Well, I don't have time. You don't? That's an absolute. Are you sure you don't have time? <laughs> now, look, I'm, I'm messing with all of us. Why? Because I've done this with myself before. Actually, it started with God. God did it to me. I was sitting in there, and he was like, oh, you're really upset now. Why? Well, I just don't have time. Oh, you don't have time now, so you're prophesying you don't have time. And I was like, yes, I have time. He was like, oh, can I possibly, I don't know, open up some time for you, Brian? You know, yes, you can make time for me. Oh, so what we're doing is we're fretting over a physical thing instead of keeping your eyes on me because you have drive-through mentality. Sorry, Lord. How did I let this little thing get me off of faith? 
Lord, how did, I, how did I let this thing get me off of my witness and out of character? Because you've been raised in a world of corruption. You have a flesh of corruption, son, and you've got to change your thinking. If you're going to be my witness and abstain from the appearance of evil and, be, and never have a lack of sin, which is unpleasing to me, you have to change your way of thinking. How about this? At the drive-thru, you better be clear and you better not make me repeat myself or, you know, with workers. 6,000 years of technology so that you don't have to get out of your car so you can keep comfortable so that you don't have to prepare a meal, but you can get a meal, a full meal in five minutes and you're upset. <laughs> you don't have to go home, cut up the onions, pull out the cheese, Pat the, bat, the, the patties. You don't have to kill the cow, clean it, slaughter it, ground the beef. You don't, have to, you don't have to cut up the tomato, shred the lettuce, wash it so you can have a burger. In five minutes, all this technology, you're sitting in your car, you only have to get in and go inside, and you're upset because maybe that day it rained on the speaker and broke it, and they hadn't gotten around to fixing it. Where's the mercy <laughs> <laughs> this a, a comedian was on one of the late night shows one time and he said he said I was sitting next to this guy and this guy's like throwing a fit. They don't have my coffee. They I asked for this. I'm in the wrong seat. I'm not in a, and the and the comedian's like, dude, we are in a plane. We are in a plane three miles up in the air, whatever it was. We're in a plane, thirty thousand feet in the air flying at 500 miles an hour, sitting in our comfortable chairs, crossing the Atlantic, and this is what you have to complain about? How about just recognize what you're doing right now? Look at where technology has taken us. Is this not amazing? And you're right, buddy just put, are we spoiled? Ding, ding, ding. Where's the bell? Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> There you go. And then watch this. Here, here you go. Here, here's some extra. I'm just, you know, while I'm in your business, let's just get all in there and mine too, okay? And, and watch this. And when I'm at this drive-thru, you better have some manners to me. Oh, you're expecting the world to walk in love, but you're losing yours. <laughs> Yeah. And you better take my order exactly. Why? Because you deserve better, right? You demand exactness. All right, all right, now we're going to get into something. You demand exactness. How about if God was exact with what you actually deserved? This, this is all up in my business, too. <laughs> See, this is the stuff we need to let these thoughts, like, correct us and change us. And we need to meditate on. And you better be friendly when I get there to the window. Oh, it's all about you. That person would never have had a bad day from the customer in front of them that chewed them out because they actually are worldly. And, and they actually could use somebody that would be nice to them when they messed up. They could use somebody like that. You know, it, they never had a bad day that you could so easily forgive. So it's all about us, this drive-through mentality. See how the drive-through mentality is a perfect name for this? 
And you better not make me wait. How long does a five-minute wait seem like when you get up there? You think about that. When you're sitting there waiting on your food, five minutes seems like forever. Forever. <laughs> Watch this. Did you know that there's 12 of those same five-minute periods in just one TV show? 24 of those five-minute periods. 24 of them in the average movie. We don't mind then. We don't mind that. See, we... All right. The difference is attitude. What's on your mind? Not to mention you're getting a full, diverse meal, cooked, hot, fresh, maybe, hopefully, most of the time. Different for each person in your party, delivered to you in about five minutes. I'm sorry, how long would it take you to make just one meal for everybody? Just one meal, not diverse. See, we've had, we have had enough problems with this kind of thinking just in the drive-through lane, but then when we take it into our work, into our play, our exercise, our home, think about how much we actually suffer. All we did was examine from, from the speaker at the drive-through till we pull off with our food. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all up in everybody's business. And see, there's a whole bunch of people thinking, I don't need to hear this today. I don't, I don't even know what it's talking about, but I'm sure I've got it covered. That's the issue. That's the issue. Instead of being willing to take a look at ourselves and, and actually discipline ourselves and give, us to, give ourselves to the word, we think we have it covered. And what we don't realize is we've already deceived ourselves. We're continuing down the road of deception, and we're soon uh, prompt. You know, very, very soon, we're going to see and find ourselves with a lack of character, lose our witness in front of people, and also walk into a place of sin and condemnation. And it can actually lead to the place of Cain if we don't check it. This mentality is bad enough by itself, but then we take drive-through mentality into our relationship with God. Hear that again. This mentality is bad enough in itself between us and other people. But if we don't check it, then we start to take it into our relationship with God. One of the worst problems with drive-through mentality is that it removes you from the relationship with your father. That relationship that God himself values so much. What is the source of all good things? God. But the things themselves are not the source. The promises themselves are not the source. You don't have a promise. You don't have a relationship with the promise only, you have a relationship with the giver. We can't just treat this, God's word, like a drive-through menu. We can't just treat it like a drive-through menu. Psalms 37:23, the New Living, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Drive-through mentality will take a step made outside of your plan and turn it into a problem when God is actually ordering the steps. Let me say that again. Drive-through mentality, this wrong thinking, will take a step that was made outside of our plan, our fleshly plan. In other words, we had a plan, we had a, something that we thought it should go like, that didn't happen, and then all of a sudden we lose our stuff and we blow up, not realizing that that led us exactly 
to where God's plan is. It's just we didn't check with him first. We didn't esteem his plan. We esteemed our plan. That's what drive-through mentality does. It makes the esteem of everything that I was doing that I wanted to do in the flesh. Drive-through mentality will take a step that's made outside of our plan and turn it into a problem when God is actually ordering the steps. Romans 8.28, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. Drive-through mentality will take what actually is a problem and cement it as a problem. Instead of if we look with eyes of faith in the middle of the problem towards God and respond in the fruit of the Spirit and the character, we turn that faith to God and we use the problem to make an opportunity. We use it. See, that, that, this is the truth. See, without getting out of a drive-through mentality, you never get to the place where you'll take a problem and use it. See, I'll take a problem and I'll use it. I've watched so many times when people had a problem or something with, with me. Like, all right, Pastor, I don't like how you did it. I don't like what you preach. Or I think you did this wrong, right? Okay, maybe I did do it wrong. Maybe I didn't. Maybe, maybe it's all them. This, this happened actually quite a lot. Maybe it's all on them, but I don't go to them with drive-through mentality. I go with them, hey, we've got a problem, but I know 2 Corinthians 2.14, God is always leading me to triumph, and right here in the midst of this little problem that's coming up, for whatever reason, whether it be them, me, both of us, who cares? It's a problem. God's taking it right now, and he's turning it to triumph. I put faith on that. Lord, use this problem so that we can go through the war together in the foxhole. We can face a pressure-filled time, and we can grow to trust each other. Lord, let me take that problem and turn it into an opportunity. But see, with drive-through mentality, that's not even on the table. That's how I started to win so many different things in my life and in ministry was because I learned to take problems and look at them as opportunities. That came through some leadership teaching, uh, you know, through Pastor J.B. Uh, Whitfield and Pastor Chris DiCiaccio. They, they taught me that you can take issues and problems and, and turn them into opportunities. I'd seen that in the Word, but I got some wording behind it where I could speak it. Any issue and problem is not an issue or problem if you'll apply faith to it. If you'll apply faith, put it in, take Jesus by the hand, it'll take you to triumph and opportunity. But when we have drive-through mentality, we can't see that. And so how many opportunities are out the window of faith and trust in God because we painted over the window with our drive-through mentality? We can't even see the opportunity because we've kept drive-through mentality blocking the way. Oh, all right, here, watch this. Woo hoo hoo Woo-hoo-hoo, pay attention to this. Let me ask you this question. Let's turn this around. What if God came to your drive through window looking for spiritual fruit? I forgot writing that question eight years ago, but when I read it, I was like, ho, 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 ho. What if God treated us with the same attitude that we've treated others? in that position. And he said, hey, where's your spiritual fruit? This is exactly what he said when he, when he came by the fig tree. When he came by the fig tree and it wasn't even the season for figs, but he said, hey, where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? Where can a drive-through mentality take you? 
Genesis 4, 8 through 12, if you continue on, Cain told Abel his brother, and it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel and his brother uh, killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? And he said, I do not know. This drive-through mentality with Cain, which was a major uh, problem, he kept on, he didn't handle it, he didn't deal with it like the Lord warned him. He had the wrong heart. It, was, it wasn't about everybody else. Or it wasn't about him. It was everybody else was the problem. Everybody else was the problem. All of a sudden, it took him to the place where he murdered his own brother because he didn't correct it. He said, where's Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? He said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you cultivate the ground, watch this, it will no longer yield its strength to you. You will be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth. This drive-through mentality took him to the place where he had to sweat and toil for the rest of his life. There was no harvest. A drive-through mentality will steal the harvest. A vagrant means wandering, unsettled, moving without any certain direction. Vagrant, unsettled, moving without any certain direction. Watch this. Jude 1, verse 10 and 11. But these men revile the things which they do not understand. And the things which they know by instinct. Like unreasoning animals, by these things they are destroyed. Woe to them, for they've gone the way of Cain, for they pay, and, they, and for pay. And they rushed headlong into the air of Balaam and perished in the rebellion of Korah. If you remember the story of Balaam, he was trying to push the donkey past the angel that was there to kill him. And the donkey stopped, and he was beating the donkey and uh, he was trying to push past because he didn't recognize the error of his ways. He didn't pay attention to himself. He blamed the donkey. He had a drive-through mentality that constantly blamed the donkey. And, and then Cain, what did he do? He didn't recognize the problem was with himself. He took it out on Abel. He and he thought he was the one that should have been worshipped, right? You start to see, and Korah, Korah rebelled against Moses. And Korah basically said, no, leader, you're not, you're not, you're wrong. I'm not wrong. You're wrong. And they ended up dying. You know, all of these guys ended up dying with a lack of fruit and a lack of harvest because it wasn't their problem. It was always somebody else. And watch, here's the issue. Here's what he's getting at in these verses. They didn't look at themselves, but they paid only attention to their fleshly instinct. Read this first part again. These things they know by instinct. In other words, what that's talking about in context is the instinct of the flesh. That's all they paid attention to. And look what the Bible called them, like unreasoning animals. You know, our dog, our dog, uh, she's, I don't know why she's like this, but she acts like she's starving all the time. She's a very healthy dog. We feed her exactly the kind of food that she needs and what she needs and a good food and everything like this. But it's like when it comes dinner time, she acts like she is just unreasonable animal. I mean, she starts acting nuts almost at times. She has. 
And uh, she's like, just, and she gets weird, and she gets all in your face, and she just won't leave you alone. And then we literally had to buy a bowl that had separations in it so she wouldn't swallow her food with all the air and throw it back up because she pressurized her stomach because she ate it so fast. She wouldn't chew any of it, and she would gulp it and gulp it all down like an unreasoning animal. She let the instinct of her hunger, the instinct of a flesh, push her like an animal that has no reason whatsoever. That's what I want you to see. He says, when we revile the things of God, basically, what we do is we push into, like an unreasoning animal, a fleshly instinct, and we go the same way Cain did, Balaam did, and Korah did. It is super dangerous ground. We don't need to go in the way of Cain and just flow with the thoughts and instincts of the flesh. We should spend time in relationship with God and His Word meditating on these things. Let's prepare a feast of life with God instead of a fast food meal only labeled life but with no lasting value. Instead of just going through life and just satisfying the flesh and satisfying the fleshly instincts and, and just making ourselves important and you better do this right for me and not having any mercy, that, that really gets us to the place where there's no harvest and there's no fruit. But if we will work on these things and let the Lord shine the light on us and not make it all about us, all of a sudden we'll walk into a life of joy and peace and the power of God and the fruit of the Holy Ghost that just overflows us with an abundant life. This is where we're supposed to be. A feast of life. Instead of just labeling it, well, I'm a Christian, I go to church, I have life. But inside you got this drive-through mentality that actually you're always mad every time somebody lets you down. You're always, everything everybody does, it just takes away your happiness. You know, nothing should steal your peace and your joy. Nothing should steal your peace and your joy. Nothing. Because the source of all peace and source of all joy is God himself. If something steals your peace and your joy, you're handing it over. And yet, we call ourselves Christians and we think we have, quote unquote, life. Oh, look at me. I have the life of God. And then every little thing that happens, we got to wait an extra 30 seconds in the drive-thru line. we got to wait an extra two seconds at the stoplight because somebody didn't hit their gas fast enough. You know, all of a sudden, our peace is stolen, our joy is stolen because we're claiming to have life. It's labeled life in our little mind and on Facebook, but it's not true life because we haven't let the light of God really shine. We haven't put ourselves on the altar of God and let the fire cleanse us. But when we ditch drive-thru mentality, what do we get? When we ditch drive-through mentality, put that in the comments. I'll go back to that. Hannah put that up there, and Marky did. Nothing should steal our peace and our joy. Nothing should steal our peace and our joy. What do you gain by ditching drive-through mentality? You stop viewing problems as problems. You start seeing problems as opportunities. You stop being disappointed at everything that falls outside of your plan. And you have some true joy based off of the knowledge of what God is already up to in your plan. You start viewing the world as God sees it. A harvest for Him, not just for you. You start to value true relationship with God 
himself, not just what he brings to the relationship. And in the process, he brings you even more stuff. Because <laughs> when we have that relationship right and we seek his kingdom first and his righteousness, all these things are added. In summary, you stop going after the quick, fast, easy, and shallow, and you start developing the depth of real joy in a life of abundance in God. Glory to God. Let me read that again. You stop, when we ditch drive-through mentality, we stop going after the quick, fast, easy, and shallow, and we start developing the depth of a real joy of a life in abundance with God. Hallelujah. You may have been approaching life with a drive-through mentality. Give it to me now. Give it to me fast. In the end, you're really saying, give it to me fake. Now you want it to be real. Well, in order to be real, you need to slow down and trust God. If you want to be real and slow down and trust God today, let's pray. So, Father, just pray this. I'm going to pray for you, and then I want you to pray with me. Father, we just thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Lord, thank you for shining a light on this mentality. Oh, Father, how it has sidetracked so many people over their life. Thank you, Lord. For, thank you, Father, for showing us, for highlighting it, for shining the light of the Holy Ghost on it. Father, the truth is none of us know exactly how deeply entrenched we are in this drive-through mentality. We really, we really don't know because we've been blinded by a world that counts it as right. We've been blinded by an atmosphere and an environment that thinks it's okay and you should be this and you deserve different, you know, different than this. And Father, so we need your enlightenment. We need a supernatural eyes to be open. So Father, I just pray right now for all of us. Lord, right now I just ask you for us, let our eyes be open. Let us see so clearly where we've had drive-through mentality. If you agree with that, if you're, if you're asking the Lord, Lord, open my eyes, let me see where I need to change this. If that's you, put a hands up in the comments right now, and uh, if you can, of course, and uh, say, Lord, open my eyes too. Include me in that. Lord, open my eyes too. Put a hands up in the comments. Even if you're watching the archive, put a hands up in the comments, and, and you can even say there, open my eyes too. Lord, open our eyes. Open our eyes to all of these mentalities, all of this stinking thinking that's still in the harvest. Lord, we don't, we don't want the harvest stolen from us. We want to walk in the fullness. But we can't walk in the fullness if we won't open our eyes. If we have ears to hear, but we don't hear. Lord, let us hear. We humble ourselves in front of you. We need you. We've got to have you. We need you. We've got to have you. We've got to have your ways. Lord, open our eyes right now. And the beginning of opening our eyes is to make sure that you are in the fellowship that God wants you to be in. That Jesus is truly the Lord of your life. That you're walking in it. That you are walking by him, by his strength. And that you believe in him as your Lord and Savior. And so even if you made him the Lord before, right now, just say, Lord, today I recognize I may have been off in some things. I may need, you may show me I need to repent about some things. And so right now, Lord, Father, we just ask you, 
right now. Show us anything that we need to repent over and we'll do it. And you pray this with me. Just say, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. Everything you direct me to do, I'll do. I'm not the Lord of my own life. I freely give that to you, Jesus. I'm not the subject of my life. You, Jesus, are the subject of my life. See that right there? That'll change your drive through mentality if that's real. If Jesus just becomes the subject of everything that you do, the reason for everything that you do, for every thought, for every action, if Jesus becomes the real motivation and subject and your love for him, that changes everything. Jesus, say it with me, Jesus, you're the Lord and the subject of my life. It's all about you. I believe you took my sin and died for me. And I believe that God brought you back to life. And today, I repent of all the things and stinking thinking that I've done. I ask you to forgive me. And by faith, I receive that forgiveness. And I have freedom right now. No condemnation, but your complete mercy and forgiveness. You are so faithful. And today... My relationship with Jesus is new and fresh and empowered by your life. Lord, help me, show me, work with me, empower me. Jesus, I ask you, baptize me, overflow me with the Holy Spirit, overflow me with the fire of God so that I can walk out of all this stinking thinking and be your witness with you on the throne of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. If you said that prayer today and you needed to say it, even if you've said it before, but today I needed to say that. I needed to receive this. Go to whatsright.com and send us a message. Let us know. We want to partner with you in our prayers and our faith. We want to be there as you grow. We want to be a resource and help you out. And so we're, gonna, we're continuing to come up with and create different resources, as the Lord tells us, that will help you in your walk. Literally, something that we're working on right now is something called the Bible Academy, the What's Right Bible Academy. And as we do this, it's going to be a place where you can grow from, from A to Z in the things of God. And that'll be coming out before too long. We're excited about it. We have the equipment now to produce it. And uh, we're so excited to get it where you can really uh, become a disciple and go after him in that way. And so we just praise God for you. Tomorrow we're going to be talking about entitlement mentality. It goes hand in hand with what we were talking about today. And it will, as we examine this, expose it and get it out of our lives, uh, we will actually move to the place where we walk in more and more of that abundant life. Anybody want some more abundant life? Anyone? <laughs> Glory to God. Then this is going to be for you. This whole series is for you. It's going to be awesome. You should see some of the other topics of stinking thinking that's coming up. You're going to like them. It's a bunch of stuff. But man, think about this. If I can get these things out of my life, how much better is my life going to be? And so we just praise God. Uh, you know, we sow this broadcast into the world every single day. You don't have to pay anything for it. You don't have to do anything with it. Well, we ask people to take part with it, and we encourage you to take part with it. That's the Lord. It's the Lord to do that. He tells us that that is his will for us. 
And so if you would like to do that, you're welcome to. And, and let me just tell you, you literally help us with every comment. Every time you watch a video, it helps. Every time you comment live or in the archive, that helps. Every time you like it, that helps. Every time you subscribe it, that helps. That helps us get the word out. Every time you hit the notification bell, like, hey, tell me when y'all go live. You know, when you hit that, it actually helps every one of those. When you give and sow, if you'd like to do that, give financially. I want to help get this word out here. I know there's other people that need this help just like I do. If that's you and the Lord's writing that on your heart, or you just say, I need to sow into today's broadcast because, Lord, I need, I, I believe that you're helping me go to another level outside of drive-through mentality. If that's you and, and you're saying, I want to sow today, Lord's writing that on your heart. Don't give under pressure. The Lord says, don't do that. So if you're feeling pressure to do it, don't do that. We don't want that. Uh, but if you're feeling the leading of the Lord and he's writing that on your heart, you can go to giveww.org. You can give on Facebook by typing in the comments, hashtag donate, followed by uh followed by the amount like uh, Kevin just did. Thank you for that, Kevin. You can go by cash tag, uh, which is cash tag give www. Cash tag give www. Uh, PayPal, they're putting all that information on the screen or even Bitcoin. Uh, they'll show you in other cryptocurrencies. If you would like to give to us, uh, we encourage you to do it. And truly, every dollar is going to get this gospel out around the world and uh, give the good news and take people from where they have been to an abundant life. And so for everybody that's given today and everybody that's sowing, I want to pray over that. That's my job as a minister is to bless what the people put their hands to. And so, Lord, in the name of Jesus, by your authority and by your grace, right now, for every person that sows because of this broadcast, today or later, in the name of Jesus, let every penny be multiplied, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give to their lives. And, Lord, let it be supernaturally large and supernaturally quick in Jesus' name, thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. We praise you so much. We give you all of the glory and the honor, and we praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. Thank you for being with us. Watch tomorrow. Talking about entitlement mentality, and uh, if we've already gotten it out, they'll put the link up here for you to get there. And uh, we just praise God for you. Thank you for being with us. Here is Buddy. Here is me. Welcome, or thank you, or yeah. Thanks for joining us today for the broadcast. We uh, love you guys. We are so thankful for you just devoting your time to growing in the Word. And we want to encourage you again, if this, if this ministered to you, like and share this broadcast. Get the Word out. But we have a couple quick announcements for you before we hop off. We want to, got, we want to let you guys know that tomorrow uh, at 10 p.m., Pastor is going to be uh, on a radio broadcast, and we want to invite you to be a part of that. We'll put the link to that in the description of this video, uh, as soon, and in there, and it's popping up right now in the comments as well. So, we'll, so you can hop on tomorrow at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you can just be a part of that broadcast and uh, listen to what the Lord's been doing uh, and what the Lord's given to uh, Pastor Brian. We also want to let you know. That Easter Sunday is coming up. It's just a couple weeks away. And we want to invite you to join us here at Boomerang Church on Easter Sunday, April 4th at 10 a.m. here in Albemarle, North Carolina. 
to join us for Easter. We want to invite you. We're also going to, we have free family photos, uh, so you can bring your whole family, dress up all nice. we got a nice photo booth. And afterwards, we're going to have a special Easter egg hunt for all the kids. Uh, so it's going to be an awesome Sunday. It's going to be a powerful Sunday as well. So we want to invite you to uh, be there for that. Amen. Amen. And we, we also, that's actually everything. I thought there was one more thing, but that was everything. That's why I was stalling. But thank you for joining us today. We love you guys. We want to see you tomorrow at 1130 as we talk about entitlement mentality. It's going to be awesome. We'll see you tomorrow at 1130 for Lunch Plus. Love you guys.